0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Um, hey, if we've never met before, my name's Matt. I uh, work here at the church. I get to. I'm part of our leadership team. I <clears throat> work as part of our facilities team as well. So, uh, man, I am excited to be with you guys this morning here. Uh, let me tell you one other thing I'm excited about too. I'm excited that this is my last service that I have to do. Let me let me tell you guys. Gotta give props to Pastor Joe. Like this is a workout. I feel like I'm doing a circuit here this morning. But um, uh, but you. You know, we have amazing pastors here at, at BC and just thankful for just what they've invested into me and just the trust that they have into me and allow me up here on a stage just to speak with you guys and just really to minister to you guys what God's been ministering to me lately, what's, what's on my heart. And um, thank you guys for allowing me to be up here today, but um, you know, something about myself, when I was a child, um, I had this obsession with treasure hunting, probably like many kids have. You hear about like all these buried treasures and stuff and, um, you know, the money that's in these treasures. There's pirate treasures and there's just buried gold throughout the the world here. Um, So one thing that I did when I was a a younger child, we'll say a, a young teenager, you know, when I was of age, that I could take my lawnmower and start going door to door. I took my lawnmower, started going door to door and mowing mowing grass for people. Anyone ever do that in here to earn a little extra cash when they were younger? That's right. So man, I earned some money. I took my money and here's what I did. I went out and I bought a metal detector with my money and I had a goal in mind. I I figured that I was going to make it in life. I was going to strike it rich in my backyard with my metal detector. So Here's what happened with that. I took that metal detector out, I learned how to use it a little bit, and I just started digging up holes in my backyard. There are all these little square holes, dead, I dig it up, put it back in the grass, all these dead patches of grass all over the place. My mom comes home from work, she says, what the heck happened? I was digging for treasure. So, but, um, you know, you guys can probably imagine, I unfortunately did not find any buried treasure in my backyard. But what I did find was a whole bunch of junk. So I found what did I find? I found bottle caps, I found construction debris, I found junk pretty much, just a whole bunch of it. But I loved I loved the whole experience, just the thrill of searching for the treasure. You know, I've got three kids, I've got, they were here first service, it was awesome just to have them in here with me, sitting right up in the front row, but I've got Isaac, he's eight, Jude's six, and then Brielle, she is uh, 19 months right now. So Isaac and Jude, when they were little, you know, and they still do it a little bit, but they used to draw these treasure maps. And I couldn't say this when they were in here for service, just a bunch of scribbles, pretty much like a line with X marks the spot, right? And you would have to go throughout the house and I would entertain them and their their ideas with this, but I would find the hidden treasure in, in the house. X marks the spot. Another thing we used to love to do, we still do it. I shouldn't say we used to love to do it, but does anybody ever went to like Lake Erie and looked for beach glass before? Man, there is some hidden treasures. Are you good, Diane? So some hidden treasures, some beach glass on Lake Erie. We love to take the kids up there, and you go to the beach, and there's all this. Um, if you look closely, you can find these little shards of glass, just different colors from bottles that have broken over the years that the waves have washed over and just smoothed out. And they're like these little gems. So we love looking for hidden treasures. And there's even like an, an entire TV genre Dedicated to treasure hunting shows. Anybody ever watch any of those shows on Discovery Channel? Yep. Like Gold Rush. And then has anyone ever watched The Curse of Oak Island in here? Yeah. Did they, I gave up on it? I couldn't watch it anymore. Did they ever find anything? No, man. I'm so disappointed. I felt like Every episode, like, I was just getting roped in. Like, they're were, they were going to find something in this episode. I know it. Then I just gave up eventually. But treasure hunting, man, it's exciting, and it is a rush when you find some treasure. And what I want to talk to you guys about today are the treasures that God's buried deep down inside your hearts. And those treasures, those are your gifts, and they're your talents. And and you know, we live in this world today where everybody asks this, this question and it's been asked for centuries. And I think people ask this question because God's put a desire inside of us to have the answer to this question, and that question is, man, what is my purpose in life? Why why did God create me? I don't feel any fulfillment. I don't feel any purpose in life. What did, what did God create me for? And that's this question that people for centuries have just wrestled over. What am I here for? And I remember myself, in my early 20s, just kind of wrestling with this question, just feeling no, no real meaning to life. Like, what's the purpose of life? And the thing that I found in my journey you know I've been coming to BC for about a couple decades now like Ryan Ryan said hard to believe early 20s 42 now 20 years has come and gone like uh, like it ain't nobody's business says all you guys know so it goes fast but one of the things that I've learned in this 20 years is the thing that gives me the most fulfillment in life is when I'm honoring the gifts that God has put on the inside of me, and here's what I mean by that: when we when we utilize the gifts that God put on the inside of us, when we work within the confines of those gifts and not try to do something else that our gifts don't match up for, man. When we discover those gifts and begin to use those gifts for for God's purpose and work our our calling in life, that is when we feel the most fulfillment. That's when we experience the most joy in our life when we're working those gifts right there. Listen to this. Um, I thought this was interesting. The Purpose Driven Life. You guys ever hear that book before? Pastor Rick Warren, uh, he wrote this book, and I'm just going to read this. It says, The Purpose Driven Life was also on the New York Times bestseller list for for over 90 weeks. It had sold over 18 million copies by 2008 and 32 million copies within its first decade by 2012 according to both the author and publisher simon and schuster 50 million copies had been sold in more than 85 languages by 2020. So number one best-selling book of all time. It's a per, it's a book about discovering your purpose and life. And that just goes to show you, and it's not all Christians buying that book right there. It's people of all walks of life. And I, I did a little Google search on this because I was just curious what would come up. And I just typed in understanding your calling and um, didn't say anything about God. But at the very top of that list, it was Oprah Winfrey's blog. And Oprah Winfrey... Oprah Winfrey, she had blog posts about understanding your purpose and obtaining fulfillment in life. And then behind Oprah Winfrey, there's all these different um, web pages, Buddhism, and just all different kinds of new age stuff. We live in a world that is hungry to understand their purpose and to get fulfillment in life. And that fulfillment comes by working the gifts that God put down on the inside of us. I want to share this scripture with you guys right here. This is Proverbs 18, 16. And it says this, a man's gift, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. I love that scripture. A man's gift makes room for him. And, you know, what I believe that to mean is the fact that the world, they will make room for for the gift God has put down on the inside of you. You know, there's nobody else in this world that is gifted like you're gifted, or I should say maybe the has the combination of gifts that you've got on the inside of you. There's things that you can do that nobody else in this world can do. You are absolutely unique, and you are a one-of-a-kind individual, And, uh, you know, the thing is, we don't necessarily have a choice at what we're gifted at, right? Those gifts, God puts those in us from, from, from day one. Yes, we can work at other things and get better at them. But our gifts, God puts those down inside of us. And the choice that we have is what do I do with the gifts? that God's put down on the inside of me. And, you know, we can we can know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. And you guys probably know this. You, you can still not be happy if you have a relationship with Jesus. If you're not walking in the life that he's called you to walk in, it's using the gifts that he's put inside of you that brings that ultimate fulfillment. So here's my big idea, as Pastor Joe would say. This is the the one thing that I want everybody to walk away understanding today, and that's the fact that God gives the gift, we grow the gift. So I wanna share... share a story with you guys. I'm sure you guys have all heard this before. This is the parable of the talents, it's called, in the Bible. And I apologize, we don't have the scripture up on the screen here. I changed some things up last minute here. But I want to read this from the message translation. I think it's interesting how the message translation, it calls this the story about investment. And this is a parable that Jesus says and he starts out and he says the kingdom of heaven is like so he's not talking in specifics here he's using this as an as an example for something and it goes on and it says it's also like a man going off on an extended trip he called his servants together and delegated responsibilities to one he gave $5000 to another 2000 to a third 1000 depending on their abilities Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner." The servant, given 1,000, said, "'Master, I know you have high standards "'and hate careless ways, "'that you demand the best "'and make no allowances for error. "'I was afraid I might disappoint you, "'so I found a good hiding place "'and secured your money.'" Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this, play it safe, who won't go out on a limb, throw him out, into utter darkness. So I'll sum that up real quick. So there's three people that this master gives money to. The first one, he gives 5,000 to. Second one, 2,000. And the third one, he gives 1,000 to. So you know, I think it's interesting how it says the, the, the first servant who he gave 5,000 to and the one that he gave 2,000 to, it says he went to work and doubled his master's investments. Say went to work. Went to work. So he went to work and doubled his master's investment. See, God gives us the gifts, but we got to work the gifts. We've got to grow the gifts that God gives us. And, you know, this parable here, he could have just summed it up by just simply saying, you know, don't put what God's given you up on a shelf, do something with it. You know, work the gift that God's put down on the inside of you and honor God with that. So God gives us the gift, we grow the gift. You know, Couple Bible examples of some incredible men from the Bible that I want to talk about here. Just good examples, I think, of of men that um, had incredible leadership gifts in them, but it was a process that they had to go through to, to grow the gift that was on the inside of them. And the first person that I want to talk about is is King David. You know, David, he was anointed to be king when he was a very young boy. The Bible doesn't give us an exact age, but he says, it's. It, the historians tell us that it was from the ages of 10 to, to 15, somewhere in there. And the way this went down, so, you know, um, God sends Samuel to 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 the house of Jesse Jesse has a bunch of a bunch of kids and uh God tells Samuel one of Jesse's kids are going to be king someday and i want you to anoint them so Jesse brings out his kids and god's like nope it's none of those kids right there Samuel says you got to have one more one more son somewhere right so he says actually I do he's out in the field tending the sheep right now let me go get them let's let's bring them in here and let's see what this is all about so he brings him in and and god's like that's the one right there that is the The future king. Doesn't matter what he looks like on the outside. I look at what's on the inside. That is the king right there. So he gets anointed king at 10 to 15 years of age. And David actually did not step into the throne officially until he was 30 years old. So there was a period there of about 15 years where some growing pains had to to take place. And Daniel went through it. Um, You know, Daniel, we all know the story of, I'm sorry, David. David and Goliath, sorry, uh, I kept messing up first service too, another one, but uh, you know, David, David and Goliath, David defeated Goliath and <clears throat> the people loved him for it and Saul became really jealous that the people loved him, loved David more than they loved himself and Saul began to make threats on David's life. David would be sitting in the in the room, and Saul would just chuck a spear across the room and try and try and kill him. So it said an evil spirit had overtaken Saul. So Saul, or so David, he had to get the heck out of Dodge. So he gets out of there just to save his life, pretty much. And um, he goes out basically into the wilderness and he leads this band of, of outlaws and they just do some incredible expeditions and in the fame of David. Just builds and builds, and Saul becomes more and more jealous, but eventually David officially takes the throne at thirty years of age. So I think we can all agree and David's life was on the line; he was living out in the in the wilderness. There were some growing pains that David had to go through in order to um, grow the gifts to where they needed to be to do what God had called him to do. Another awesome example, I think, is is Joseph. You know, we've heard the story of, uh, of Joseph and, you know, God gave Joseph this dream that he was going to be ruler over his family and ruler over nations someday, so... You know, Joseph's brothers get really angry with them because he shares this this dream with them that he's gonna rule over them and they're gonna all bow to him someday. And uh, they ended up selling him into slavery just to get him get him out of the family. So, you know, some Egyptians come along, they they but they buy Joseph up and he ends up in a man's house named Potiphar. And Joseph, while he's in Potter's house, he learned to serve and he just really became an incredible servant to people. And he learned servant leadership through through serving in in, in Potiphar's house. And then eventually you see his family bowing before him one day, but he got sold into slavery by his brothers. And there is a process that he had to go through in order to grow the gifts that God put down on the inside of him. So what I want to talk about is just a couple things. I got six things that I want to talk about that we can do that I feel like will really help us grow our gifts and take us to the next level. So. The first one is discover your gift. I feel like that's kind of obvious. How can we grow our gift if we don't know our gift? And the things that, when I say gift, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the things inside of you that you enjoy doing, the things that bring you excitement, the things that you're, you're good at. So your gifts and the things that you're, you're talented at. at. Matthew 7, 7, it says this. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. I love that scripture right there. And, you know, I, I think what better way to figure out your design by asking the designer himself. And that's what God promises us right there. He says, man, if you ask, you will receive what you ask for. If you knock, the door the door will be open. And you know I believe that applies to our gifts. When we ask God and we pray and we ask God, God, what are my gifts? What are the things that I'm good at? What are the things that I can use to serve you at the highest level possible so that I can have just the complete fulfillment in my life? And um you know what I've found one of the best ways to discover your gifts is through getting involved in the in the church and I'm not talking about believers' church in in general, I'm just talking about the local church in general, although if you want to get involved in believers' church, we got plenty of ways to do that and we would we would love for you to get involved. but I teach our growth track from time to time that we have here at b c and uh you know one of the weeks we talk we we have People sign up to volunteer if they're ready to do that. And we talk about all the different volunteer opportunities that we have at BC. And there's a lot of them that can be overwhelming to pick sometimes. But the thing that I've learned is that it doesn't always matter where you start What matters is 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 how you how you end. So you know we see our vision here, our mission at Believers Church. We exist to see a city connected with God, and we want you guys along for that ride with us. And we want you to be a a part of that. We want you to be on the bus with us. And I always tell people in Growth Track, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're sitting at on the bus at at first, or it, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. We want you on the bus but we want you in the right seat on the bus. And what I mean by that is your gifts will specifically fit in to to an area that you can serve at the highest level possible. And you know, I've learned the most in my life from my failures, so try something. If it doesn't work, that is absolutely okay. Try something else, and I promise you, you will find your fit eventually. you know another thing that I think we can do to discover our gift is surround ourselves with people that'll be honest with us. Don't be afraid to ask somebody, what are my gifts? What is it that I'm I'm good at? What can you see me doing with with my life? How do my gifts, you know, fit into God's God's plan for my life? And you can't be you got to be open to receive honest feedback from them as well. But ask people about it and then Lastly, uh, one of the things that we do in Growth Check, week two, uh, we do a personality profile and we do a spiritual gift test. So that's an awesome, just really practical way of helping you guys discover your gifts. So, you know, feel free, jump in Growth Check, take that personality profile and spiritual gift test Help you, to help you guys discover your gifts. So the second thing I want to talk about is feed your gift. Man, how many of us know that we need to take time and we need to invest in the gift that God's put on the inside of us? And um, I'm going to use Pastor Ryan as an example right here. And every time I, I talk to Ryan, he's in, he's incredible. He's always either reading something new, he's listening to some kind of, of podcast. He's always feeding the gift that's on the inside of him, and he's never settling for where he's at. He's always feeding it and trying to grow more and more and more. And that. Might look different for a lot of us. I know me feeding my gift where I'm at in life today looks a heck of a lot different than it looked when I was 22 years old and I had all the time in the world. You know, three kids. I work full-time. My wife works full-time. So I take what I can get. Now, you know, one of the things I always tell people, I, I like to prescribe to the KISS method, which is keep it simple, stupid. So I don't beat myself up if I don't have an hour that I can spend feeding myself today. I do what I can. I keep it simple as possible. I, I feed the gift that's inside of me to the best of my ability. And, I'm gonna, and you know, if that's five minutes one day because I got screaming kids and, uh, you know, life going on, that is absolutely okay. And I believe that God is going to meet me right where I'm at. And he's going to, you know, pick up the slack and he's going to help me grow those gifts on the inside inside of me. The Bible tells us that God's word is a lamp to our path. And when we look at, at God's word, man, pray, ask God, God, when I'm reading your word, help me understand these gifts that are inside of me. Shine some light on these gifts through your word. Light my path when it comes to these gifts. So feed your gift. The third thing is fuel your gift. And what I mean by fuel your gift is dream about it. You know, I I built a bonfire the other night and I don't build little bonfires when I, I, I just have a problem. Like I build like ragers when I build bonfires, like literally worried the trees above me are gonna catch on on fire. And you just gotta keep adding that fuel to it. You gotta keep adding, adding more and more and more wood. And that's like, a, that's like our dream. That's like a vision that we have for our life. <clears throat> Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. The message translation, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But they, when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So what I want to do is just challenge you guys just to attend to what God reveals to you. Dream a little bit. You know, what would your life look like if you knew your gifts, if you were able to walk in your gifts at a higher level? How would things be for you? Would your life be, be different? And, you know, I love how one translation, it says, without a vision, the people will perish. That Proverbs 29:18. without a vision, people will perish. You know, vision, it gives us fuel for our life. It gives us something to work towards. It gives us uh, something to obtain. And, you know, for me, when I've got goals in life, when I've got something that I can see in front of me, I work so much harder towards those gifts right there. And, uh, sometimes we just got to take intentional moments where we just got to get quiet before God and we just got to listen to what he has to say to us and stop the talking. And, um, you know, I like to just find a secret spot secret spot somewhere where, you know, nobody's around, and it's few and far between that it happens for for me nowadays. Remember, kiss. I keep it simple, stupid, but, you know, just find a spot. Listen, ask God, give me a vision for my future, God. Show me what it's all about. How can I use my gifts at the highest level possible? Then number four, share your gift. So God wants us to use our gift to bless others. You know, 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So what that tells me is your gifts aren't just for you. Your gifts are for me too. See, we like to say at BC, we are better together. So here's what I want you to do. Look at your neighbor and I want you to say, I need your gift. Look at your other neighbor and say, "You need my gift." You guys should have saw traditional church when I was trying to get them to talk to each other. It was like a deer in a headlights. Like that's that's not traditional. So, but uh, so we are meant to do life together. We are we are better together, and our gifts aren't just for each other. Yeah, you know, I love how the Apostle Paul. He compares the gifts in the in the church that people have, the different individuals, to a body. He says, and I don't remember what he says exactly, but along the lines is the head can't say to the, the heart, I don't need you, or the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you, because each part is just as important as the other. And sometimes I think it's easy to minimize the gifts that God's put inside of us, but the truth is for the church to work the way God has intended the church to work, no no gift is less valuable than the other gifts. So the person that, you know, is passing passing buckets or greeting in the lobbies, their gift is no less valuable than Pastor Joe's gift who's up here on the stage speaking every single week. It's all those gifts that are working together that we're sharing with each other that accomplishes God's mission for the church. It it helps us at BC accomplish God's mission, which is to connect a city with God. And, uh, you know, I think just some really practical ways of sharing our gift is honestly through the church. You know, what better way? Most of us aren't gonna, you know, do what God called us to for a living. We're not gonna make money from it. We use our gifts within the local church. We get get connected. And that's why we really try to provide so many different avenues for people to get connected and volunteer and use their gifts and talents. And it's, you know, I used to feel guilty, honestly, about asking people if they wanna volunteer. I would I used to oversee some of our teams on the weekends and God had to deal with me with that because, you know, we're not, asking people to volunteer so we can have more volunteers at BC. We want people to volunteer and get connected and get involved because we know what it'll do on the inside of you. I remember when I was just first started coming to to BC, um, I got hooked up with our youth ministry here. Our youth pastor, his name was Mark Pagley. And uh, we had a a group, it was called Refuge. And it was, well, it was Paramount. It's what Paramount is today. And uh, I thought, man, I... I had just come, God delivered me some, from just a, a really bad lifestyle and thought, man, I've been through a lot. I got a lot that I can can give. I'm going to get connected so that I can give back a little bit, which is great. But here's what I found in the process. It wasn't, man, I received so much more than I could ever give from, from that process that I went through right there. And I, I learned very fast that if I want to be happy, if I want to experience like God's ultimate fulfillment for me, man, I need to serve others. Because what did Jesus say? He said, I didn't come to serve, man. I came to, to I, I'm sorry, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve, man. And we are most like Jesus when we are serving others. And, you know, sharing our gift, that's just part of the process of, of growing our gifts. The number five thing here is wake your gift. And I'm almost done, guys. I promise. So... And I include myself in this category right here. It's easy just with life going on a lot of times just to let yourself get tired and just grow content and just be complacent with where you're at in life. You know, especially when you start having a family, like you just start getting comfortable with your your family. You've got people around you. You don't need to go out and have friends and stuff, you just get content. You you just get happy with the status quo. And pretty soon you just start to get lulled to sleep a little bit. And you know, instead of you know spending time in, in, in God's word, I just want to watch TV for you know eight hours and I want to I wanna binge watch some crazy episode on, on Netflix or binge watch gold diggers or the curse of Oak Island or something. And, and we just let ourselves fall asleep. But I believe we've all got this sleeping giant just deep down on the inside of us. And we got to wake it up sometimes. And one thing that I like to do to wake that sleeping giant up is... Um, go back to some altars that I've made in my life. And here's what I mean by that. When you look at the journey that the Israelites took through the wilderness with Moses, one thing that they did, when God did something awesome, they would stop and they would build an altar that looked different. It might be a stack of rocks or something, but the purpose of that altar was to create a reminder of the awesome things that God did for them so that they could tell all the generations to come. So I wanna encourage you guys, create altars in your life, kind of like signposts along the way that you can look back on and be like, man, God is so good. He did something so incredible for me right there. You know, for me, I've got this Bible that I like to pull out sometimes. It was the first Bible I bought when I got saved. You know, it was a big, thick Bible like this. If you if you didn't have a Bible at least four inches thick and you were a Christian, you you were not cool 20 years ago. So I got this Bible. I pull it out, and it is just completely falling apart. Like, And I don't use it anymore. I'm, I'm all digital nowadays, but... And the pages are falling out, the cover is ripped off, highlights all through it and just you know notes in the, in the margins. And that was a time in my life where God just delivered me from so much. And it was just an incredible time um, where I had an encounter with God. And you know, some of us may not have had encounters like that, but I can guarantee you, God has done something in your life that brings joy to you. And when you look back on those things, man, it just wakes up the gifts that are on the inside of us, and it just creates desires to serve God at a higher level. And the last thing here that I want to talk about is freeing your gift. And what I mean by that is um, letting go of, of unforgiveness in our hearts. And I'm speaking firsthand from experience here. Unforgiveness can just really harden our hearts. It can create bitterness in our hearts and just kind of over time bring us to a point where I don't even really want to serve God anymore and um, that's an extreme case or it just might make you veer away a little bit from the things of God if you've got some offenses with with people and um, I know this is you know people experience tremendous hurts in this room. I can guarantee that right now. And, you know, this is something that we could talk for for days on. But my goal really is just to, to challenge you, just to begin to explore yourself a little bit. Ask yourself, is there any unforgiveness in my heart that's stopping me from walking at a higher level in the gifts that God's given me? One thing that I like to do, I just like to write those things down on a piece of paper and then, you know, I give it over to God. I'll, I'll rip it up, and God, that's that's yours. And obviously, that's easier said than done. Um, but I man, God helps us get through those things, and sometimes it takes professional help to get through those things as well. And that is that is okay. But yeah, I've just seen so many people in my 20 years here at BC that have let unforgiveness just get in their way of God's calling and their gifts that that they have on their life. Um, you know, I want to ask you guys just this one question here, and we kind of talked about it just a few minutes ago, but how would your life look if you were walking in your gifts at a higher level? You know, would you be, would you experience that that fulfillment that we're talking about? Would you be able to have a little bit more purpose and meaning in your life? Um, You know, I think of this, one of those Baby games. My daughter has one where you got to shove like the the triangles in the the triangle hole. Then there's the circle you got to put in the circle hole and stuff. And, you know, she is 18 months old. She's getting the hang of it now. But when she was younger, what she try and do? She tried to shove a square peg in a round hole, right? And it's just not going to happen when we're sitting there. You're pounding and pounding and pounding, trying to put that square peg in the wrong hole. And doesn't it feel like sometimes in life, you know, we're just trying to put a square peg in a round hole that's going on right now. I'm I'm banging my head off a wall right now trying to get it to work. And the bottom line is sometimes it's just not meant to 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 work that way. You know, when we begin to seek out our gifts and walk in them at a higher level, that's when it feels like we're putting that square peg in the in the square hole and we experience God's goodness at just a completely higher level than ever before. And I, I love God's perspective on this. Um, you know, my kids, I had them and wife, they were in first service here this morning. And, you know, it almost kind of brought me to tears just starting to talk about it. But, um, you know, Isaac, my eight-year-old, he loves drawing. And he is an incredible artist. I don't know where he got it from. It certainly didn't get it from me. But he's just so creative and just an, an incredible artist. He can draw outdraw me any day. And then, Um, so, and just seeing him there, like just drawing, he'll watch a YouTube video and draw this thing. And he just gets so much joy and so much excitement out of the drawing that he's doing. And he loves it. And it brings me so much joy as a father, just to see my son, just discovering the gifts that God put inside of him, that creativity. And then my, my six-year-old Jude, you know, Um, I'm off on Friday, so just this past couple days ago, um, I told him, guys, it's nice out, no iPads today. We are staying off these devil machines today because they can get sucked into them all day if I let them. So Jude, Jude comes up to me. He's like, all right, daddy, can we go buy a Lego set? I'm like, absolutely not. Those things are outrageous. They are too much money. We're not going to spend money on a Lego set today. We're playing outside today. But he knows he knows how to work it. He knows like my heartstrings, And he's like, but daddy, I just wanted to get something that Isaac and I can do together today. It's <laughs> so like, ah, all right, $15. We will buy a $15 Lego set today. So we ran our errands. We bought this Lego set and you know, it's a Lego set for 11 year olds and my six year olds putting it together with his brother and just to see the mechanical ability that they have doing this. it brings so much joy to me as a father. And I got to believe God's sitting up there just, just, and and tears of joy when we're taking the time to discover our gifts and we're walking out in those gifts and we're honoring him and we're serving other people with the gifts that he put inside of us. Guys, that's all I got. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just thank you so much for every single person in this room uh, and just the opportunity that I had today just to share what's on my heart. Father, um, did the best I could do with it. And I thank you, God, that your word never goes out void. Father, I thank you for speaking to people about this, God, and, and just helping them grow the gifts that you put on the inside of them, Lord. We thank you so much for that, Father. Help us walk in them at a higher level in Jesus' name. And just go ahead and keep your eyes open Closed here for another moment. Um, you know, really, the first part of this discovery process that we're talking about is a relationship with, with God. We can never discover the gifts that He's put on the inside of us without knowing Him, because He is the first step when it comes to that. And um, it's very simple. The Bible tells us that that uh, Jesus died for our sins, and that God raised Him from the dead. And then, if we put our, our faith in Him that he'll forgive us of all our sins and that we'll spend eternity with him. And that's a free gift that he gave us and there's nothing that we can do to, to earn that gift. So I just wanna say a prayer and everybody in here is gonna repeat after me. Um, and if you say it for the first time, you know God's gonna do an incredible work in your heart if you allow him to. Say, dear God, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for the sacrifice that he made for my sins. I thank you, God, for eternal life. I thank you that when I confess Jesus as Lord, I'll be a child of yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen.